Let's get to today's message. This is a fun one. This is the last one, like I said. We have this whole series. We've gone through seven weeks of God at work. Now, remember, we started this series. I said, why would we start with God at work and the big yellow signs? Because for a year, we've been seeing big yellow signs that say, people at work, building roads, building, fixing things, right? And for most of our lives at, in religion, we kind of saw this big sign in our life. A lot of us, it says, me at work, trying to fix me, taking religion, applying it to my life, trying to make me a better person, only to find out that I'm still lousy, right? But the power of Galatians, Paul talks about, he says, nope, it's not you that changes you. It's God at work, right? You are a person where God is at work. This is the power of the transforming life of Christ. God is at work in us. And, and it's a great thing. And so through this series, we followed Paul's message all the way through. And we saw that God was at work in the gospel. Right? It was his idea that we are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We are sanctified by God's grace through faith. Isn't that an amazing thing? Now, in the gospel, God is at work and there is power in the gospel. And then we talked about through this that God was also at work in authentication. That God proved that the gospel was from him. That this was not a story that people made up. We even memorized the memory verse for that. right? That this was not a man-made story. That God himself came in the flesh, proved that it was him. He died, he rose again, so we would know it's really God. right? He gave us his word. God proved that this is not some false religion, some idea, some philosophy of living. This which we believe, right? Our faith that we hold together comes from God. It is true. And God authenticated it. It's powerful. Then we talked about, after that, that God was at work in us, uh, in, in not just the authentication, but also in the faith. Right? That it's not by all these works, that, uh, uh, it's not by law that we're changed. Right? But it's by faith that we receive the promise. It's by faith that, that God gives us all these things that, that he promised us before, which includes salvation, includes the kingdom of God, right standing with him, includes our identity. All these wonderful things that God gives us come to us by faith. And it was God who brought those to us. We talked about how God was at work for us in our uh, fighting for us for freedom, that it was for freedom that God set us free, right? That was even what we've memorized. That Jesus didn't come to this earth so that we would be bound with more rules and laws and, and all these things so that we would be trapped in some horrible religion. But he set us free to live for him. And then last week we talked about how he, it was through freedom that God is at work. God's not at work just so that we can be free to do whatever we want nilly-willy, right? We could just, just live a crazy life. God gave us purpose. He's working through our freedom as Christians. To do amazing things, starting with the sanctification of ourselves, right? And today, we talk about God's at work at church. See, God didn't just save us to be sanctified and to be awesome in and of myself. He's not just shaping me because he just wants me to be shaped. God works not just for the individual, but God works in and through the church. And what we're talking about today is so powerful because there's a purpose to all of this. There's a purpose to the freedom. There's a purpose to God's work. He's doing something so much bigger than you, but you're part of it, right? And it's what we're made for. It's phenomenal stuff. Well, let's get to our text today. 
It starts in uh, uh, chapter 6. Actually, we're going to go through chapter 6, starting with verse 1. We're getting there. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Now, let's keep in context what he's talking about. Last week, right up to this point, Paul talks about the difference between living in the flesh, right, and, and the works, the fruit of the flesh. Remember, it's all those horrible things, right? And then he says, but if you live according to the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, and he talks about all the great things that are in the Spirit, right after that, he talks about this. Why? Because it's hard to live in the flesh. Well, actually, it's easy to live in the flesh. It's hard on you if you live in the flesh. It's hard on your, <laughs> on your will to live in the Spirit, isn't it? It is. And so what's going to happen is, in a church, we're going to be caught in sin, right? Even though we were meant for freedom, there's a lot of times that we as Christians go back to our old slave master, don't we? The temptation gets there, and we go back to that. And I imagine Paul's thinking about this, and he's thinking very practical level. Well, I just talked about the, the, the life of Christ and how we're supposed to live in Christ, and I imagine that the people in Galatians, I know that... Christians, we still struggle with that sinful flesh, right? The sinful nature. So what are they going to do when somebody is in sin? Are they going to be harsh and mean? Are they going to kick them out and say, you're not living according to the Spirit. You have no place with us. And he addresses it straight up. And he says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, like all of us, what are we supposed to do? Judge that person and kick them out and tell them that they are a loser. No. <laughs> yeah. You who live by the Spirit, that's us. We restore them gently. You see the heart of this? That God isn't about us going and condemning one another because that leads to shame. And you know what shame does? It, talk, it takes our legs out from under us. Shame makes me feel like I am, I am now assigned to whatever that was. I can't talk about it. I've got to hide it. I've got to separate myself. I'm not worthy to change. God's not about shame. God shines a big old spotlight on the problem is so he can fix it. This last week, I had to go get some dental work, and it, it was awful. And this is what the dentist did is he takes this funny looking light thing and he makes you open your mouth up and he shines that light right on there and then I had my tooth on the outside look pretty decent but on the inside was full of corruption and decay. Right? <laughs> Literally. Was. And then he drills it down, knocks away the facade of it looking nice, gets down to where it's ugly so he can clean it out. Right? And then he fills it with good things apparently because I feel so much better. <laughs> That's what God does. He shines the light on the decay so he can fix it. There's no shame in the church. And we get to be part of those instruments to bring people back. Now look at this. It's hard. He says, watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. You see, as Christians, because we still have that sinful nature, we have pride. And it's easy for us to say, well, here's my law and you're outside my fence, and you violate my law, so I'm better than you, and you struggle with things that I don't struggle with, so clearly I'm superior to you, and I'll bring you back gently, because I'm the better person. You see, we all struggle with sin. 
when we restore somebody in the church that's sinning, we recognize that we ourselves are sinners. I, it's very easy that I could be in that place and my brother needs to restore me. And there probably will be a time when that will need to take place. Right? Because we're in this together. There's, there's, there's no shame, but there's also no room for pride. And so the heart of this is compassion. The heart of this is restoration. And we're free to do that because remember from last week, we have the power to love anybody. We can do this. God has equipped us for it. So we restore one another. And get this, carry each other's burdens. And this way you fulfill the law of Christ. In context, he's talking about this. Our burdens are our moral flaws. Our burdens are our shortcomings. Right? I'm not the image of Christ yet. I'm growing that way. But I have things in my life that are very hard for me to overcome. And I will serve one another humbly in love, but I will get fatigued at that. And so will you. But we are together to share each other's burdens because in that there is the power that we need to overcome our flesh and to overcome this world and to overcome the fatigue and overcome the shame. We bear one another's burdens. And so it's not, I mean, this also means in the church when there is a need, we help somebody, right? Of course we do. Seriously, I mean, obviously, that's, that's the easy part. But the harder part is when we see somebody has a flaw, and then instead of rejecting them and walking away from them, we come alongside them and we gently restore them. We say, wow, you have a hard time with this. I'm a little bit stronger in this area, so let me help, right? But let's, let's do this together. I'm coming alongside you. I'm with you. That's the hard thing. Because a lot of times when we see a brother or sister in sin, the first thing we want to do is judge them and get away from them because we don't want to be guilty by association, do we? But the power of this is, no, no, we get to come alongside them. We bear one another's burdens. And in doing that, what is the law of Christ? We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Actually, last week he said, love one another. <laughs> and in so doing, you are fulfilling the whole law of Christ. Well, there you go. There's the law of Christ. If you want to love one another, if you want to live the Christian life, if you want to serve one another faithfully in love and humbly in love, it begins with that. And so in this, we see that through the church, God provides accessibility. This goes counter to all of our Western thought of how I need to be independent. See, the Western world taught ourselves that we need to be self-made people, that I, I don't need you for anything, right? I can do it on my own. And so if I can do it on my own, then I can accept help. But if I can't do it, if I actually have need, then I'm somehow a failure because, you know, you, I should be able to make it on my own. And we really value that as a society. But the reality is, is that none of us can make it on our own. We're all broken. We're all flawed. We all have difficult things. We all get fatigued. But because of where we are and, and our human pride... Sometimes, especially in those areas where we don't want people to see our decay and our corruption, we separate ourselves. We make ourselves not accessible. And so we say, you know what? I, I really have a hard time with this particular sin, and I'm ashamed of that, and I don't want anybody to see it. And I don't want to let anybody in, and so I'm not accessible. This is like my tooth. If I didn't let the dentist go in there and fix what he needed to, the whole thing would have died. Corruption in our lives rots us. If we're not accessible, we die. 
You know, maybe not spiritually because we're saved by God's grace through faith, but our lives are full of, of, of corruption, of, of ugliness, full of pain. We isolate ourselves and say, you know what, I don't want anybody to see my ugliness. <laughs> I die. But the church is a beautiful place. It's the right place that we get to go to one another and, and, and love and to serve one another and to help one another, bear one another's burdens. It makes accessibility. You see, I am a brother in Christ to you, and you are my brothers and sisters. You have access to me. If you see a flaw in my life that is killing me, if you have a blind spot that I'm not seeing, or I have a hard part in my life that that you see is destroying me, you have the right and the responsibility to come to me and say, Aaron, brother, I love you too much. And you're trapped in this. This is a heavy burden. You might be overwhelmed by this. Let us help you. Let me help you. I will pray for you. I will remind you of God's word. I, you know, I can help you with this. And so I am not alone. You have access. And that's the way the church should work. And so the church does one of the most amazing things. It takes these individual Christians that God is shaping and puts us together so he can do his mighty work in our lives. Accessibility. Paul goes on, though, that's not the only thing God does with our church. It says, anyone thinks that there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Well, remember, right now we're talking about our, our sanctification, right? And so it says, you know, you should not, you know, you need to be sure that you're bearing one another's burdens and all those kind of things. But if you think that you're perfect and you're not, guess what? Surprise, <laughs> you're not. You're not perfect. Don't deceive yourselves. And so it says, each one needs to test their own actions. You see, when we look at other Christians, when we see that they have a, an issue in their life, right, something that's hurting them, it's for the purpose of compassion that we look, right? We're not going to save them. Their soul is already saved. They're fine. God's already in their life. But we want to help them. And so it's for compassion that we bear one another's burdens. But in my own life, I need to take responsibility. Just because I have other brothers and sisters around me who have access to me, doesn't mean that I can blame everybody for my faults. I need to look at my own life and recognize that maybe I'm not as perfect as sometimes I think I am. I have responsibility in this, right? What a wonderful thing. (laughs) And I test myself. I look at my life. And there are areas in my life where I see corruption and I have to say, wow, yeah, I need some help in that. But there are also places in my life I see God doing mighty work, right? His spirit's alive. And I also get to say, yeah, I'm doing that, right? Get this. You look at your own you look at your own actions. Then you could take pride in yourselves alone without comparing yourself to someone else. Here's the thing. When we look in the church, this idea of having discernment versus having judgment, right? Condemnation is like I think judgment, right? We we need to have discernment. We look at other people for compassion, say, How can I help them? But oftentimes we as Christians, or just as people, we look at somebody else for the purpose of comparison, to say, well, I'm never going to be as holy as they are, so I might as well not even try, right? And I'll just let shame rule in my life. Or I look at other Christians and I say, ha, those guys are a bunch of losers compared to me. I am so much better than they are. I don't struggle with that. I do this and this and this and this and this, right? And God said, that's not the way that you're supposed to work. Because we have accessibility with each other, we need to take the higher level of responsibility and say, all right, I'm taking responsibility for myself. 
if I'm going to grow in Christ, it's because I'm choosing to grow in Christ. I'm going to be accessible. I need to make sure that I'm accepting people when they're telling me they see blind spots, right? And not rejecting them and separating them, right? But also, if I see myself and I'm doing well compared to another Christian, I'm looking at it in the wrong way. Because I don't know what God's doing in their heart. And I don't know what struggles they're going through. And that kind of judgment doesn't lead to compassion at all. It leads to separation. It leads to shame. It leads to bitterness. But God's called us to something different. He says, you know what? If you see God is working in your life and there were struggles that you used to have that you don't have anymore, then celebrate it. Right? You've made good choices. You're allowing God into your life. Take, it, <laughs> take responsibility for that. And so we don't compare ourselves to other believers so I can feel better or worse. I look at my own life and say, is God working in me? And if God is working in me, then awesome, right? Then I'm making the right choice. I need to go down. I need to keep with that. If I look into my life and I see more sin, more corruption, more difficulty, I'm struggling with the same things that I've always struggled with and I don't see the Holy Spirit working, I need to take responsibility for that and say, maybe the course of action that I've chosen, maybe what I'm living for isn't the right thing, right? The church helps us. It gives us this responsibility, right? It allows us, as we come together, to say, all right, I have a place in this. Now, it's not just about how I am ethically and spiritually and morally. Look at this. It says here, he says, nevertheless, those who receive instruction from the word should share all good things with their instructor. I like this one because I'm a Christian worker, right? But it talks more about what are you investing in? Right? We all share this responsibility in the church. Right? And so somebody is bringing you the word. Somebody's helping you grow. Somebody's helping you shine a light on those areas of decay and helping provide God's truth so you can change and grow in him. Right? You have a responsibility to each other, don't you? See, in the church, this directly, I mean, most directly, it talks about, are you giving? Are you tithing? Are you, are you pulling your weight together, right? Everyone's got a responsibility for us to do this together. So even if it's a widow's might or God's blessed you with something different, it doesn't matter. It's not the amount. It's saying, are you investing in God's kingdom? Are you investing in the right things? And so it's less about the money, but it's all about the heart. What are you investing in? Are you being part of it? Or are you allowing other people... <laughs> To, to take care of your thing while you just have this free ride. But it's not just about money either or the heart. It's also about what are you doing with yourself? You have a ministry, right? We have a responsibility in the church not just to grow, not just to share and come together so the church of Christ can grow, but also you are ministers. You each have a role. You each have a responsibility. God made you for something, Right? He, we say that every member is a minister. We mean that because that's what it says in God's word. Are you investing your life in the ministry that God has for you? Or are you showing up just being a part but not doing your part? There's responsibility in the church. You matter. That's what you should hear from this. You matter. God has a plan and you're a part of it. And so the church provides that. Outside the church, that's not his plan for you. It says here, together, right, this is all talking to the church, the churches of Galatia, right? This is the context that God says, or Paul's talking about God working in, in the church. You are a part of this. Are you invested in it? Are you connecting? Are you growing? Are you serving? Are you taking your responsibility for your place in God's plan? 
That's fantastic. And I think that's good because if we didn't have responsibility, it would be like preschoolers. Right? You, pre- you drop a kid off at preschool, they have no responsibility. Like they don't even have to like tell you when they have to go to the bathroom, right? They have like zero responsibility. You just drop them off, and they're just like, ah, and you pick them up. They're like, ah, did you eat? Yeah. How'd you come? You ate? Well, because somebody made me. <laughs> did you go to the bathroom? Yeah, because somebody made me. They have no responsibility. You are not preschoolers. God's called you to bigger things, and that's powerful, isn't it? He it shows how much He respects you. But that's not all that we have. It says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Remember, this comes right after the verse that says you need to share with those who teach you the word. It talks about what are you investing in. Right? How are we investing? And he talks, the Bible really talks about money a lot because it's a, it's a starting point for so many other things in our life. Right? Money is like the first thing that really represents how we spend a lot of other things in our life. <laughs> how we view the world. And he says, you know, if you're spending your money on yourself versus on the kingdom, if that's what you're investing in, because God does say, said, give, right? This is mine, so give. I want you to invest in this. But you say, no, I'm going to invest in me instead. He says, watch out. God's not going to be mocked. If you invest in yourself, you take his money and you spend it on you, you're going to get things of the flesh in your life. Don't be surprised by that. And those things of the flesh that decay, all that kind of stuff, is going to cause problems. But if you invest in him and his kingdom, guess what? You're going to find the spirit working itself in his life, in your life. You don't buy change in your life, but it's where your heart is. Jesus talked about that, where your treasure is, your heart is also, which is why this is a starting point for so many other things. God's not going to be mocked. So it's not just where your money is, but where's your time? Where are your thoughts? Where is your ministry? Right? If you are taking your time and your energies and your efforts and your talents and your skills and your abilities and all the things that God has given us, and you invest them just in you, and what you want to do for your pleasure, guess what you're going to find out? Your life is going to be filled with a lot of you. And a lot of you is a lot of corruption, right? A lot of brokenness. There's going to be a lot of pain. A lot of difficulty. A lot of sadness. And that's what it talks about. It says, God, uh, you reap for what you sow. Um, Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing good. If you want God's purpose in your life don't just don't just dabble don't just give to god the the tiny bits right you you reap what you sow now here's a wonderful principles of, of reaping and sowing you don't just reap what you sow you always reap more than you sow if you didn't farmers would go out of business right and that's the whole purpose that they go out and they sow you know seeds and then they get a harvest that has way more seeds than, than they planted. And so they make a profit. And it's the same way in our life. If you sow to the flesh, if you sow to, to, to just making yourself happy and richer and, and just to enjoy your own you know, lifestyle and you're just all about you, and you sow a little bit into that, you're going to reap a lot of corruption in your life. You're going to reap a lot of depth. I, I, I see it, I think, most prominently in marriages where I see folks that, that sow into selfishness in their life, and, they, and it's little tiny choices that they make. Like, I'm going to take the remote control, and I'm going to flip the channel every five seconds. I'm going to do that because I don't care what the other person thinks. Right? Little tiny things. It's amazing how little things like that can cause huge, vast, 
caverns of decay and between a couple, right? I'm not going to take the garbage out, even though I know that they like that, that they want me to, and it means a lot to them. I'm not going to do it because I don't feel like it because I'm not going to serve another humbly in love. And then all of a sudden, the garbage becomes this issue of rot between a couple, becomes things that I've had people scream at each other in my office over how often they take the garbage out. Why? They sowed a little bit into selfishness, and it reaped a huge amount of corruption and problems for them. Now, I promise you that taking the garbage out would have been way less painful than what they're dealing with now. But now they've got to deal with this. It's the same in our life in every area. You, you sow a little bit of selfishness, you reap a lot of destruction. But you sow a little bit in God, you just invest the, the, the mustard seed of faith in him. And watch the mountains that he's going to move in your life. It's the most phenomenal thing. You reap more than what you sow. And you want to have a life in Christ, you want to change, you want to have purpose and joy in your life. You're like... The amount that you invest in God and his kingdom, his righteousness and what you're doing for him, what you get back is so over the top from what you put in. It's amazing. In fact, you, you look at it, if you were an investor and you would think, what's my rate of return? It would blow your mind. You'd be like, why on earth would I do anything else? And so it says here that God through the church provides opportunity. I want you to notice in this passage how many plural pronouns there are. It says, Do not perceive God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows reap the flesh. From the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows all this here. And it says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Do you see this? Christ didn't call us to just have this opportunity independently. The opportunity that God gives us to invest in his kingdom and his righteousness and what he wants happens in the context of the church. Now, you all have Legos, right? I want you to take your Lego out. This is my, my gift to you from my son, actually. It's, my, it's Thomas's gift to you. I asked him if I could take, give Legos out because he's got a few. <laughs> and he said, Dad, only give him the lame ones. So, <laughs> but it's his gift to you. I want you to take a look at this. This is a Lego. You know what would be the lamest thing in the world? If you went to a store and they sold an individual Lego in a package, no one would be excited about that, would they? You go and you'll be like, oh, a green funny striped Lego. Sweet. Just what I wanted. No kid plays with Lego. <laughs> right? Never happened. Right? Lego itself is okay. In fact, if you look at your Lego, it's expertly designed. It's very sophisticated. Right? It's brilliant. And how it's all put together, it's shaped just perfectly for something. But until you get it together with other Legos, you have no idea what that's for. A Lego by itself is a waste. At best, it's going to fall on your floor and make you fall down some night as you're walking through the carpet. Right? These things hurt. <laughs> they do. But the power of Lego is when they come together. They're not all the same. In fact, if you look at other people's Legos, you'll notice they're different. When you buy a, a box of Legos, they're not the same. If you got a box of Legos, they're all like gray squares, you'd be like, sweet, I'm going to make a gray block. 
It would be purposeless. In fact, it would be no fun. But if you have, you look at my son's collection, he's got long, thin, skinny ones and big, fat ones, and ones that's got faces on them, ones that are circular, ones that, I mean, all kinds. I mean, so many different kinds of Legos. It just blows your mind, right? And because he has so many of them, they come together, he's able to make phenomenal things. You see, we have been crafted by a master craftsman. And the sanctification he's doing in you, which we talked about for the first six weeks, is making you into the shape he wants you to be. That's exactly what he's doing, and he's doing that well. But today's passage, it talks about how the bigger picture, that God designed you to be in context with other Christians. See, when God brings us together, he builds us into the church that he needs us to be to do his work that he's planned in advance for us to do in this community. Now, next week we talk about what that work is. But you are this. So the question is, are you part of the church? Are you investing in the church? Are you connecting? Are you allowing God to put you where you're supposed to be? Because on your own, separate, away from the church, you're just like a single Lego. You're a waste. God loves you. He's got a place for you. But you need to connect. And that's what he made you to do. Now, what I want you to do is take out, as I have the worship team come up, is I want you to take out your green connection cards. Because what do you do with all this? All right? As we finish our series in Galatians. Isn't Galatians a great book? Isn't it free? I mean, I know that Paul is really angry when he writes it. You know? But it's, it's a phenomenal book. Freeing and empowering. Now, on the back side of this connection card, there are some things uh, that can maybe help you. Maybe this week, something you could commit to do is memorizing Galatians 6, 9. Because remember, being part of the church is serving one another faithfully in love, right? That's just what it is. And it's going to be hard. Sometimes we get weary in doing that good work, right? Sometimes it's difficult to connect. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm so tired of church and Christian people, right? Or my brothers and sisters of Christ. You know what? Maybe this week you need to memorize the verse, to remind yourself that God has a purpose for you, that don't give up on this. Don't give up when it's hard. Right? Because at the proper time, we're going to reap a harvest. It's going to be phenomenal. So don't give up. Maybe that's what you need to do is remind yourself of that, that truth. Memorize that. Or maybe it's to read today's passage, Galatians 6. And to go in and read for yourself God's word, what he talks about is us working together and what that means. Or maybe it's to find an area of ministry in the church. Maybe if you're looking at yourself today and you're thinking, you know what, I'm a pretty sweet Lego, but I am not connected. Or maybe you're looking at yourself like, I am the weirdest shaped, striped green, corners rounded Lego. I have no idea what I was made for. You know, that's why God gave you pastors. Right? Because our job is to go to God and to pray and to seek his will and to seek his guidance and say, God, what are you trying to do in this community? What do you want us to do in our church? And that's what we spend a lot of time doing. And when somebody comes up and they are a weird-shaped Lego, God, it's amazing how oftentimes he's been putting something, he's been guiding us and directing us, and we know exactly where to put you. Well, there are other times we're like, well, I don't know, but we're by faith. We're going to have you start here, Right? It's amazing the cool things that God then shows us what he's doing in your life. But that's why he was pastor. So maybe, maybe you need to find an area of ministry. 
Maybe you know exactly what that is and you just haven't had the motivation before. I hope you see that God has a purpose for you. Be motivated. Connect. Maybe that's what you need to do. Or maybe you just don't know. You're thinking, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. But you know you're not connected. Well, maybe that's the, the thing that you need to do today. Because you have a purpose today. God has a ministry for you today. In the church, through the church. And when you're missing, we're all missing out. So if you need to connect, maybe that's what you need to do. Or maybe you just need to join the church. Right? Maybe you've been doing lone Christianity long enough. And you're like, where is the power of God in my life? You were made for community. God built you for it. He designed you for it. It is time to connect with the church. And so if you're there this morning and you're not connected to the church, maybe that's the commitment you need to make. It's, you know what? We're going to come together. We're going to see what God does. <laughs> and I'm going to be part of this. Or maybe there's something else. Maybe there's another commitment that you need to make. Now, we're going to take our offering in a minute. And as we do, I want you also to put this in your offering of yourself, your commitment that you're going to make to Christ, and drop that in the basket. If there's a prayer request that you have, please write that down. Why? Because we love to pray for you. There are a lot of Legos in this church that are powerful prayer warriors. And uh, we'll pray for you. So if you, have a, if you have a prayer request, make sure you mark that down. If there's any other decision or thing that you need, mark that down. Then in a minute, I'm going to pray for the offering. As I take the offering, drop this in there. And uh, make that the second offering to God. All right? Let's do that. Let's pray as we conclude this series on Galatians. Heavenly Father, we are in awe of you because you are an awesome God. Uh, you uh, saved us by your grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You authenticated that. You proved to us that it wasn't just a man-made idea, that, uh, that the gospel is real. It is from you. Father, you showed us how, how it is... Uh, uh, you have, have brought us our salvation, and it wasn't something that we had to work for, but it's something you gave us. But then, Father, you allowed us to be part of, of the sanctification of ourselves and our community. God, it's an amazing thing. And, Father, you showed how you, you worked in our lives and, and, and through the scriptures to bring us freedom, and we want to live in that freedom, Father. But then you also show us you have purpose in that freedom for me and for this church. That you've taken away the bounds so we can love everybody. And we can bring the gospel to every corner of this world, including every person in our community. So Lord, help us do that. And today, Father, we see from your word so clearly how you've given us the church. This is how you work in our lives. This is how you're going to work through our lives, Father. And Father, we see we're so grateful that in the church, Lord, that you... Father God, that... You give us accessibility, that you show us that we're not alone. And you give us that relationship, a place for us to be vulnerable so we can become greater than we were. Father, that you give us responsibility, that, that you've given us a place and a work to do, and you're counting on us to do it. Father, that Lord, in, all, in this wonderful thing, you also give us amazing opportunity to live for what matters and to reap a harvest of righteousness and goodness in our lives, in our community, in our world. So, Father God, today, help us as a church connect to the things that matter. Let us come together and be your people so you can do what you want to do. Build this church, Father. And not just the Christian church of Estes Park. Build your church in the Estes Valley. Bring redemption and salvation and hope and peace, Father, starting in our lives, and let it just just spread. 
Now, Father, we thank you for the ways that you have allowed us to do this. And, Father, today I pray for the offerings and the gifts and the tithes that we're bringing. Lord, I pray that you would use them, magnify them, bring a harvest, Father, through those. And, Lord, we thank you that in all of this we know that it's not our effort, it's not our work that brings about these things, but the power of you, our creator, our redeemer, our Lord. God, to you be the glory and the honor, for you deserve it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.